Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Marine and I love movies, which is lucky because each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. Whether you're a regular listener or just dropping by for this episode, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am I Not group on Facebook, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by Jalen Sala as we continue Spooktober with a conversation about 1998's Marvel vampire actioner, Blade. And now with an advance warning on spoilers and all that interesting stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. Vampires. They're everywhere. You're one of them, aren't you? No. I'm something else. That's him! Blade is the key. All our strengths. None of our weaknesses. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. He makes the weapons. I use them. This open season on all suckers. Let's do this. Hello, Jay. How are you? Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm ticking on thanks yourself. You know, my mom's sick. The house is kind of in a shit mood right now. It's all in, you know, like mood of taking care. I'm a caregiver. Imagine me. You know, so yeah, I'm not very best, but I'm watching movies and I'm creating and I'm working my ass. So I'm happy. That's, that's, that's you know, good, not good, but good. <laughs> good that you're surviving a not good situation. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this one's going to be interesting given the revelation you just dropped before we started recording. But the the first question I have to ask you before we go into anything regarding it is, are you the kind of motherfucker who's always trying to ice skate uphill? Am I that kind of motherfucker? I don't think so, no. I'm no, not... that's fair enough. <laughs> I not don't think on so. Overthrowing vampires or anything. <laughs> awesome. All right, then. So yeah, we are talking. We are talking You're about... giving the best Blade impression. Oh, my God. I'm not doing a Blade impression. For one, I'm a white guy in his 40s. There's no way I'm doing any Blade impressions. How was Wesley? He wasn't in his 30s, right? He wasn't that young. He looked he looked like a very... You know, like, this, 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 was, this was prime Wesley, wasn't it? So I'll do a little bit of information about the film, and i got a couple of review blurbs. So directed... So we're talking about Blade. So directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, yeah. uh, based on the Marvel Comics character created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Because they don't credit that in the film, and they should. Uh, starring Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, N. Boucher Wright, Donald Logue, and Udo Kier. Uh, released in cinemas on the 21st of August 1998 in the US, the day before my birthday. And the 13th of November 1998 in the UK. Grossed $131,211,376 
worldwide on an estimated budget of 45 million. That's according to IMDb. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying, At a time when too many movies are built from flat TV style visuals and people standing around talking, movies based on comic books represent one of the last best hopes of visionary filmmaking. It's ironic that the comics, which borrowed their early visual style from movies, should now be uh, returning the favour. Blade is a movie that relishes its high visual style. It uses the extreme camera angles, the bizarre costumes and sets, and the exaggerated shadows, the confident cutting between long shots and extreme close-ups. It slams ahead in pure visceral imagery. I couldn't find a Barry Norman review, but there was a review in Empire Magazine by Dan Bignall, who gave the film three stars out of five, saying, As ever in comic book translations, the film was is tasked with carrying the conviction of the big screen entertainment, while remaining true to the escapist fantasy origins. But although Blade is occasionally uneven, it treads the line rather more successfully than most, holding his tongue halfway into the cheek, and ladling a swath of sicko shots and enough whirling combat to keep serious horror and action fans satisfied. Which I, I think is fair. I always thought I remember the Empire review being three stars, and I always thought the film wasn't as well received, but Roger Ebert seemed to like it. Um, oh. And uh, sort of, you've got to put the film in the context of where it was. So, comic book movies, we'd just come off Spawn and Batman and Robin the year before. Um, and as much as I love them, things like The Shadow, The Phantom, all those less than successful comic book movies. And this was just before X-Men was two years later. So this was sort of the start of the Marvel boom. And then that early 2000s period where you had this wilderness of random Daredevil, Ghost Rider, all these unsuccessful ones before Iron Man kicked in and kicked off the MCU. It's weird seeing a Marvel movie without a Marvel logo at the beginning now. It's just the New Line logo. And then we're the film. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, I mean, so sort of before we get into the film, what are your memories of first seeing it? I saw it on VHS, so it was nothing like we didn't go to the movie theater to watch. You know what I mean? But I remember being mesmerized, first of all, because I was like, how old I was? Like it's 1998. So I think yeah. I was like about, so I think in 1999, so I was about like 11 or something. So it was for me, it was like, oh my. God, I, I thought at first it was really scary for me as a kid. And second of all, I was in the habit of watching scary things, things that were way inappropriate for me as a kid. So this was un, like usual for us at the household. And second of all, because I loved Wesley Snipes so much. So for me, it was like a festival, you know, like, oh, my God, look at him, how cool he is. And I thought he was like the king of cool. He was like the coolest ever. So, yeah. Wow. And I think. Back then, it was so revolutionary. Like, I thought, wow, they're like giving scientific context to vampires, and that is so good. So, and I was a science whiz a little bit when I was little. So, yeah, that was just the context of it. Of course, all the action sequences were just so cool because I loved action movies when I was little. So, as a kid, I was like happy, like in a candy store. So, I totally remember it as a very cool experience. Yeah, it was video for me as well. Um, like I said, I remember the review being in Empire. I was. I wasn't a massive Wesley Snipes fan, so that wasn't a selling point for me. And I wasn't a massive Marvel fan at the time. I remember the character Blade being in the 90s, a couple of episodes of the 90s animated Spider-Man series. Ooh. Um, but yeah, and then my flatmate and I, a friend came around and he rented Blade from the video shop. He was like, we need to watch this. And I was like, oh, fucking really? Fine, whatever. <laughs> and I loved it. I, I loved it then. Um, and it's one of those films that sort of 
dropped off for me. I watched it a lot and then it slipped down the radar for me. And then I rewatched it last year or the year before. I was like, this film's really fucking good. I can't believe I've waited this long to watch it. And then I've watched it again for this. Um, but I know that you have a different experience. So this is a film that you did love. Uh, and, and how, there, loved it. How, how do you feel about it now? No, my friend. Mm, okay, so it was kind of disappointing experience for me. Like, I didn't expect to dislike it that much. I didn't expect to, like, pick on it that much. You know, like, fuck the Vampire Council. You know, like, screw you guys. You know, like, even the Deacon Frost, you know, like, suck my you little psychopath freak. Like, I kept dissing on them, okay? Because back then, I loved also Stephen Dorff because to me, he was kind of a psycho, you know, like, actor who appeared in really cool indie movies or, like, dark movies and stuff. I saw him in this movie, I think, Blood and Wine. It had Jack Nicholson and Jennifer yeah. Lopez, and I was like, what? I love this movie so much. So I was, like, very excited about him. And now when I watched it, I was like, who is this prick? Kill him already, stuff like that. So Karen, okay, good. Wesley Snipes, of course, will always be Wesley Snipes for me. Like, he's, for me, he's like John McClane. He's like Bruce Willis. He's like all these cool action guys. So he'll never get old for me. Like Van Damme, even ridiculous as they are now, but still, you love those guys. So, yeah. Putting Wesley aside, everything else in the movie just got on my nerves. First of all, all the clubbing scenes, like, guys, stop it. What the hell was happening back there? Just all those seedy nightclubs, people just dancing and dancing, and then everybody turning into a vampire and eating each other off. And No, oh, I hate this. Stop it already. And then you get all these, you know, like, weird, boring, unnecessary conversations, like, hey, we need to take over the world. And then someone else is saying, no, you need to slow down. Oh, I don't know, maybe I can't stand the pace. Like, dialogue didn't seem that fresh to me. So I kept picking on things, picking on things, picking on things. Even Wesley's delivery was kind of, like, funny. Like, it was cheesy, but fun, you know? Like, the way he would say the sentences, I would laugh without noticing. And then I'd stop myself and it's like, no, this is Wes, come on, stop it. But still, I don't know, like, the coolness was just taken out of context. All I was thinking about was, like, wow, I love the costumes, blah, blah, blah. I love Wesley Snipes, blah, blah, blah. But the movie itself, to me now, I don't know, like, I kept feeling like I need to be a bitch and start criticizing. See, this is going to be interesting, because we've never done one with some, because obviously you 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 picked the film. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we've, we've never done one where somebody used to love a film and then prior to recording discovered they don't love the film anymore. Um, I I will. Def- I mean, I remember not so much, you know, vampire clubs, but I remember that sort of nineties clubbing scene. I just missed most of it, sort of the particularly the ravey stuff. It was never appealed to me. But that opening scene <laughs> in the cl- with you know the horny asshole who's walking through an abattoir, being like, everything here is weird, but I might get laid, so I'm willing to risk it. And yeah. then he goes in that club, and everybody's shoving him around, and he's like, still going to carry on. He's got, I think he was in like later, he popped up in a few things. I think he was a regular in like SWAT or whatever it was, the CBS series. Um, but he's got this weird sort of Dennis Quaid mixed with Jake Boosie kind of look. Exactly. And it sucks on him. But it's, it's just, he's like, you know, why, why would you follow her? Just because she's attractive and you think you're going to get some. She's clearly out of your league, dude. And you're clearly going to die. First of all, yeah, exactly. Plus one guy for all those That's vampires so true. <laughs> and why are they, like, desperate for him? Like, why are you guys waiting for him, even with your stupid leader? Like, imagine all this. 
like all this hunt for this ass guy. I think his vampire would even be, uh, his blood would even be, you know, like sucky and shit to cause your IQ to lower. What, why are they all after him? Like, it didn't make sense. And it kind of pissed me off, too. And the guy, pissed, like, I hate these 90s guys who are like, yeah, let's get laid. And you feel them being, uh, I just want them to die. I'm happy when they die first. Like I say. Like, yeah, get them villains. Never underestimate what a horny asshole is willing to do to get some. you just <laughs> got to look at any slasher f- film from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's sneak up in this barn. Yeah, there's a demented killer around, but you know, let's have some sex as well. Because we're going to pass it up. It's worth getting knifed for. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really like that. I love how they reveal Blade. I love yeah. it. Everybody freezes and they're sort of scared of him. They're whispering around, it's him, it's him. I do like how this film drip feeds information about Blade and then it's kind of pissed away when Whistler just explains it all in one monologue. Yes, I just stop it. You know, like, stop it. It's like you've been so good at building these little bits of information. Exactly. And then they shove it in your face. Like, they're throwing it to you, like, bit by bit, and you're happy. And then someone goes up and says everything revealed. And I'm like, oh, God, no, stop it, please. I don't know. Like, there is something that kills the fun for me. I mean, I reviewed it again on Letterboxd. I gave it four stars. I think it is, it's it's a piece of its time, but it is, there are a few little niggles I have with it, but it doesn't bother my overall enjoyment. The film's pace sometimes grinds down a little bit. You feel like you're like, you know, ramped up, ramped up, ramped up, ramped up, crash. Exactly. But it does seem to ramp up quite quickly again. And it doesn't flow smoothly, you know what I mean? Like, okay, these action sequences are just so good and you're so tense and yeah, yeah. And then there's like a boring scene where they're like discovering ADTA or talking about science and stuff and blood analysis. And I'm like, okay, guys, what are you trying to get? And what is with all the guys who are like throwing themselves at women? You know, I know they used to be a lot back then in the 90s movies, but here even her partner in the morgue is like yeah why did you come back at me i'm just like i'm so happy when the corpse springs up and just feeds on him like seriously leave her alone you bitch yeah it's yeah <laughs> it makes it so cringe you know who are these guys like the only guy you feel is not cringy is blade and that's because he's like you know silent and mysterious even deacon blade literally throws her out of a window <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then he like, I love that that turned out to be a soft landing because it was just a bit of tarpaulin <laughs> covering something. He had no idea what was underneath. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he figured she'd been bit, so if she died, it saved him a job later on potentially. But <laughs> he would never know. But the blood stuff does feel kind of rushed for me. It, it, she's sort of picking away at it throughout, and then it's kind of like, yeah, no, I've solved this problem. Like, really? Yeah, a little bit of something but again i it, it doesn't bother me that much i still really enjoyed the film partly because i've got fun those. the fun i just i think at the time it was such a breath of fresh air. i mean this was pre-matrix as well so yeah it was so revolu- you know, like imagine us it was so revolutionary for the most part it's wesley's or it definitely appears to be wesley snipes doing the fighting because Wesley Snipes is good at that shit. There's only one bit that I've spotted this time that I watched it. Where I was like, that is not Wesley Snipes. It's a really, really? tall, skinny guy. When he cuts um, Deacon Frost in half. 
That's definitely not him. You're right. Now that I remember He's got a it. really long face. Like, <laughs> you, sir, are not Wesley Snipes. You are not Wes. <laughs> it's only because I had to rewind it a couple of times to work out what he mouths, because I couldn't work out whether it was motherfuck or what the fuck. <laughs> he has this 21 again. I think it was what the fuck, but... <laughs> yeah, I think it was what the fuck. Yeah. Um, I like the sort of mythology they tried to build around vampires. Um, it's a little it's bit so... buffy the way they sort of dust, but a bit more violent. But it's so interesting, too, the way they used to have these vampire research scientific movies, you know what I mean? Like, back then it was just vampires, you know, like, creatures of the night, you know, like, feeding. And then you have all these movies where it's like, you know, researching, like, oh, you know what, vampires need hemoglobin from humans. Oh, really, guys? Uh, what? Why was this trend even there? You know, like, what was the scientific revolution behind it? So, yeah, it was just cool to see the difference. Yeah, I like the idea of them as well, that, they, you know, They've made a deal with politicians so they can still operate in the shadows and that. that that's a nice Which idea. So I love that there's a vampire board meeting. That's something you never... I mean, it's really so creepy and so true, too. You're like, yeah, yeah, vampires and politicians. Ha, ha, ha. Why am I not surprised? You know? Yeah. It's... You don't got us, poor guys. It, it builds a nice little sort of in the shadows underworld kind of thing. Um, and I do like that mythology. I like the ancient texts and all that bit of a cop-out that you've got a computer that can <laughs> translate it, but that was the late 90s. Computers can do anything. Yes. Um, I like I like the, the idea that there's me. pure bloods, ones that are born as vampires. Yes. They've got the filthy mud bloods. <laughs> the thing they don't explain, it was, to the best of my knowledge, really, Buffy explained it the best, that you lose your soul when you become a vampire. I guess with this, it's the need to feed. But what actually makes them inherently evil? Exactly. Why? Probably because when you go like crazy hungry, you just you lose anything humane. You just become an animal. And yeah, you just want to feed and stuff. Yeah, but they say the need then, to feed takes over. But still, you wouldn't be like an evil psycho. You know, like this freak. You would be just hungry. You know what I mean? Like a traditional vampire movie. But why do you become like a deconfrost? You know, like clone. Walking the earth because all the decompressed guys are just assholes, you know. And then you have Karen, even uh, his mother, becoming an asshole. I, mean, I don't know. Like for me, it's just uh, yeah. I, I, again, I suppose it's kind of in the you know the cattle, or you know, you inherently just can't kill people. Like I say with Buffy, it's they lose their soul. And this isn't the only vampire thing that doesn't explain what makes them inherently evil. Then beyond feeding off humans, but where does that need come from? Where's the conflict in that? So what I always liked exactly. in The Lost Boys is that Jason Patrick's character has the conflict about becoming a vampire. Well, the Lost Boys is way, like, it's way superior to here. At least it's, like, very dark 90, but was it 80s, right? It was it late Boys? 80s, about 10 yeah, years before was, this. So this feels very right. 90s vampire movie. Very, yeah, and the other one feels, like, very 80s. Yeah. Just to have, I think, a punk rock vibe to vampires, too. Because, again, because I mentioned Buffy, because obviously at the time... Buffy was the big thing on TV as well. Would have been two seasons in by this I, point. I told you there was this trend. I need to understand the rationale behind this trend. Like, why were we having, you know, like the scientific, you know, like the science behind the vampirism? Like, what happened to movie making at the time? Because yeah. it wasn't there before. So, yeah, for me, this was very interesting. Like, why are we talking science? But then when you think about it, X Men came, and I remember very clearly when X Men came. 
like the first narration line, mutation. It's the key to evolution. And I remember being, oh, they're mentioning science books. And I was such a science person. I was like, oh my God, wow. And then now that I remember, like, why were people interested in science? Maybe there was a trend rising in the scientific world at the time. Maybe it was cloning. Maybe it was like research in DNA. I got I to gotta dig back because I feel like there was something and it seeped into horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, there was a weird thing in the 90s of more science inflection on things rather than supernatural. So I think that yeah. bled a lot heavily into it. Probably. Again, like say... You had the Buffy because before that there wasn't really any major vampire movies. Interview with the Vampire and Bram Stoker's Dracula were probably the two other big nineties vampire movies that I can think of. And imagine them completely different from Blade. Very gothic, very you know, like the conflicted. Like here, they're just asshole. You know, like you can suck at you guys. Yeah. You have Blade, which is like half human, half vampire. Blah blah, but he doesn't count. But even then, even Dracula himself was conflicted because he loved Mina and you could just imagine me being watching the movie. I feel like, you know, like Jonathan Harker, you know, like just show him under the bus, you know, let's have Drac. He's the coolest. So, yeah, you have this very, very conflicted vampire character. But here, Deacon Frost, who is like the main villain. Oh, my goodness. Like he feeds on babies. He kills women at night. He just slaps his mother. He's the asshole with just no redemption arc, nothing. He's just pure evil bitch. All he wants is just like the spoiled boy who gets kicked out of the board because, you know, like his yeah, parents is like. Udo Kier slaps him around a bit, but that, yeah. there is very little motivation as to what it is he wants other than the blood god. Exactly. Which, for once, I'd love to see one of those films where they do that ritual and it doesn't fucking work. Just once. Just once. I know. Everything the bad guy's been working towards and it was just a legend that was all bullshit. I'd love that. Just... I know that people would be like, well, that was so fucking anticlimactic, this film's shit. I'd be like, no, it makes a fucking change. Which is so cool. Imagine making a movie like that. Of the curses, like, they're all, ah, this just once, so I'd be like, fucking you idiot. <laughs> and I thought, I really wanted to see Lady Magra. Didn't you want to see her rather than just, you know, like, um, possessing Deacon or something? No, no. Kind of like cut him in half and just appear, you know. I always imagined it would be like The Queen of the Damned, which is a superior movie now that I watched it too. Although it's still in the gothic, you know, like weird, also kind of like the time vampire type but still i imagined her being this very very scary looking vampire woman and then we have deacon like no deacon yeah. on steroids because there's some really cool visuals in that scene from blade being bled yeah that in was the, lovely. In the, where he looks like he's his own action figure strapped in packaging <laughs> Play with Wesley and like for me, Wesley is like, like a giant action figure. Which is why I love him. <laughs> why they never release an action figure and package it just like that? But from that to the blood forming to it dripping down on the council members who are good people and stand on the spot where they need to be, to their skeleton things coming out of their mouths, the way that sort of comes out of their mouth. I mean, it look it's nineteen ninety eight visual effects by now, but. It looked it really impressive. Cool. It was a really interesting yeah. idea. Rather than just Fair. like fading away, it's like the mouth opens up and something just leaves them. <laughs> and then it's let down with Deacon Frost regenerating. Exactly. 
that's some really bad blood special effects. But again, it was 1998 at the time. We were all been like, that's fucking amazing. Not for me, it was intense. I, was, I remember being like, ooh, ooh. Like, for, seriously, this scene did things for me. But wait a minute, because you're like the best, like the coolest geek that I know, and you have a lot of action figures, there was not a single blade action figure? Really? I, I don't think so. Because you didn't Why? have... You hadn't, I don't know if McFarlane toys were going at the time, but I, there might have been some comic tie-in ones. But, I mean, this film wasn't aimed at... The action figure market in adults really hit a boom later. You had people like me who was always buying shit like that because, you know, nerds. Yeah. But um, I'm proud. Yeah. But, yeah, so it wasn't really aimed at that sort of crowd. It was only like the Batman films, really, and the Shadow and that that had action figures. Now you have an action figure for everything. Like no. you and me could have action figures someday. You never oh, know. There'd be multiple I feel like... Funko Pops. I imagine when the Marvel Studios version of Blade comes out, he'll have action figures coming out of his arsehole. But yeah, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get onto that a bit later. <laughs> All right, then. So I suppose the big thing to start with is we touched a little bit on it, but you know, this is a Wesley Snipes film. Yeah. Um, like I say, Wesley Sucks for me before this was Demolition Man, Passenger 57, and I can't, I think I'd watched Murder at 1600 before this, which I like Murder at 1600. It's a Wesley Sucks detective movie. I love it so much. Please. Passenger 57 did not hold up for me the last time I watched it. I, was, I used to really like this. It's actually quite Always bet on black. Why? I love him. Always bet on black. I love Oh my god! Even when the villain wanted, I wanted to kill him, and there was like a very hot Elizabeth Hurley in, yeah. you know, like costume. Like for me, she was like, she's like a, the best costume ever. Like she's in <laughs> Air Hostess. Like, oh, okay, Elizabeth. So yeah, and then you have Wesley. So for me, it was heaven. But the movie, of course, is cheesy, but I love. I don't know. <laughs> I love him taking them over, like kicking their asses. They're all assholes, but she's just so hot and. You know, and the girl playing his the other air hostess was also hot. So, yeah, yeah. double treaty. Okay. So, I don't know. No, just don't let me start. I'll let you finish Wesley Snipes and then I'll go on and talk about Wesley Snipes for me. So, but yeah, and then you got it. Well, I'd, I'd argue it's possibly probably the role he's best known for now is Blade. Mm, most famous, probably, I guess. Probably yeah. Blade, then Demolition Man, just because he was so much fun in Demolition Man. He's fun. I think there's a couple of bits. It's not so much the dialogue. It's when he does things like pins Quinn against the wall and then goes and does the little fist pump. I love that song. It's such a weird thing. But I also get the feeling that Wesley got what film he was in and was just playing that up. His thing with... I love when they um, he's gone to the hospital to finish Quinn off and fails again. But then the hospital guards come in and shoot him. He's like, motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? <laughs> it's such... Again, it's those little Wesley Snipes moments. That's probably more Wesley Snipes than Blade, but it, it doesn't feel out of place either. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so Wesley. That's why it feels so good. Like, even in these action movies, there is a Wesley part of it. You know, like, I mean, like, but it doesn't take over. Wesley-ness. It's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Where exactly. it's it's not Mr. Freeze, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Exactly, which sucks. It's it's not that ego level 
I'm not saying Schwarzenegger had an ego, but it's not that persona playing a part. I mean, it's Wesley Snipes playing Blade, but it doesn't feel out of place for Blade for it to have that Wesley Snipes thing. I think he was perfect casting because I think the top three choices were him, Denzel Washington, or Lawrence Fishburne. No, no. Like, I love Denzel, but I love Denzel as, like, serious Denzel, you know, like, in his place. But the only one who could do a very fun movie and just, you know, like, does the best with it is just Wesley. Yeah. Like, it would never... Lawrence Fishburne, not my best, you know, like, not my favorite cup of tea to be honest but still he's in matrix of course yeah good but um wesley is just wesley no i like all three but i just again in a different world there's like denzel washington's blade and everybody be like yeah i just can't see wesley snipes playing this part i know but it would be so somber you know what i mean like for me probably because we had many batmans now we can say you know who's the best batman but then imagine having only one batman you would never imagine any other Batman, you know what I mean? So it's just so hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's spot on in this. Um... But yes, he's Wesleyness. You know, like he's he's just a Wesley, like he's he's a character, he's a persona in his own right. Like there is his Wesley action scenes, the scenes where he delivers, like, you know, like heartfelt emotional things is just hilarious for me because he's like he's trying so hard. But I love him. I just love him for everything that he does. He's just so unique, even in his bad acting moments. You know what I mean? Or cheesiness. I just love him. My favorite is him strapped to the chair when Whistler gives him his serum, and he is pain faced. But then he leans forward like he's trying to strain out a really difficult poo. It doesn't help. He's sitting down. But you poor thing. You're constipated. I can. More fiber, Wesley. More fiber. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, he looks great. He's got that brooding charisma. Very sexy. Yeah, the character that, needed. Definitely. Uh, and and you know, he's, he's very he, he can fight art. as well. Like I say, apart from that one thing, I didn't really spot any <laughs> obvious stunt doubles. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like Hall of Mirrors, Wesley. But... I know what you mean. <laughs> um, I like his relationship with Whistler. I think that was. I love when he gives him the UV lamp. He's like, it's still heavy, and Whistler's like, "But you're so big." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love them together too. Yeah, they're the best. <laughs> I think Chris Christopherson was great casting for Whistler. Wonderful. I love this. Yeah, I love the character, and I love him. Never um, gets old. It, it works for a standalone film. But I hated that they killed Whistler off. It's that easy go-to thing of killing off the old assistant. Yeah, I hate Hellboy it. does it as well in both versions of we had a Hellboy so far. And it's just kind of like, no, keep them around. Exactly. They give life to Especially the as they painted themselves into a corner and had to bring him back in the second one. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, dude shot himself in the face. We I don't see it, but there's no way Whistler's going to go anywhere. He would have shot himself in the head. He would have done it properly. Exactly. Um, I love how he feels, puts the petrol in Blade's car. He's got petrol pissing everywhere and he's lighting a cigarette. And he's lighting a cigarette. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's suicidal as fuck. 
and I loved the whole thing about where he's explaining to Karen, and he's like, you know, there's a few of us that hunt them, Blade, myself, and a few others. And at the time, it's like, who are the few others? Exactly. Obviously, in Blade Trinity, they kind of answer it, but and it's not as exciting as we hoped it would be. No, it sucked. But again, we'll we'll, we'll get to sequels in in a bit, but it's just kind of like, in my head, I was like, all that conjures images of like these little teams of vampire hunters. Please get them together. Let's see convention or something. It's, like, it's fucking Morbius out there somewhere. And then they made a Morbius movie. And I was like, Ew. <laughs> Was it good or bad, the Morbius movie? Um, I knew how bad it was when I watched it. And it didn't disappoint in being bad. I know what you mean. <laughs> Again, it was one of those, it's the best comic book movie made in 1997. They just happened to make it in 2020 or whenever it was. It's oh not. It's not amazing. It's not amazing at all. But it's like one of those ones that you can't stop watching it. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, the bad movies that you just can't stop watching. But, but yeah. So I, I think they were. I really like Donald Logan's Quinn. I think he's really good. It's like the Weasley right hand man. Yeah. Go fetch a guy. I like Donald Logan anyway, but um. He's good. I like the bit where Frost has got Blade's sword and then he tells him to hold his arm out. And he's kind of like, but no, it's, it's all good now. So like, <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> it's just funny. It's had its moments, yeah. Um, I mean, I like Stephen Dawson. It's weird watching a film now where Stephen Dawson's name comes before the title. Because nothing so against Stephen Dawson, but he really dropped off the map, didn't he? Very. And what happened to him? Like, yes, he wasn't like the best, but still he had, like him, Emil Hirsch, there was a guy called Taylor Kitsch, I think. There were these guys and Garrett Hedlund. These guys were like going up and down. They could have made something or just disappear, but they all disappeared. Taylor Kitsch was meant to be the big breakout from Friday Night Lights, and he did Mm -hmm. Chip, which is bad, but I quite enjoyed. And he just got the wrong films, unfortunately. And John Carter, which was actually really good, but I really yeah, enjoyed John Carter. Um, yeah, yeah, he just. But it failed. So of course, in cinema world, this means death for the poor actor or the director. We have this I think movie after, that after the Brat Pack. There was this weird thing of like, these are going to be your breakout stars, and they inevitably rarely were. Even the Brat Pack, as much as I love a lot of the stuff they're in, they didn't really outlive that brief Brat Pack period of the eighties. No. The exception right. of like Rob Lowe and Anthony Michael Hall, who still have relative success. Anthony Michael Hall was obviously in the Dead Zone, which I love. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for Anthony Michael Hall. But yeah, and it's Stephen Dorff is going to be like this next big thing. He just sort of went and dropped. Fun. Yeah, like you say, Blood and Wine, and then I don't really know what he popped in. Obviously, I remember him in Backbeat. Being and there was a from '94. And there is this movie somewhere, I think, directed by Sofia Coppola, too. Like, he was in some promising stuff. Like, I've had, wow, I think he's good. Like, I think he's, I think there was this breed of actors, you know what I mean? Like, Emil Hirsch and stuff like that. They're good actors, but you can feel, yeah, they might not be leading man category, but they can still be like a side a second billing kind of actor who does, you know, like the psycho more complex roles yeah, and I thought I, he was going to be that one but then he I think, I think the problem with that was that Christian Slater existed and he and pretty he, much cornered the market on pretty psycho boys <laughs> yeah, 
And again, I don't mean any disrespect to Christian Slater, but <laughs> I think was, I think the problem with all of those is they did have that pretty boy thing, and I don't think people knew what to do with them. It's like he's fine in this; his character's not great. Yeah. He's very. Again, this film's twenty five years old now as well. So at the time, that character might have seemed fresher, but by this point, it's just another whiny man baby. That's the thing. Who wants, you know, like to get on the board, you know, like you could feel I'm like, ah, but I want I want better leadership positions. You're not doing good. Like, you feel like, oh my God, someone just strap him to his chair and give him like some back slapping or just, you know, like give him a spanking or something, you know, not the sexy kind. But still, <laughs> so yeah. So just you, you can't stand these characters right now. But now back in the day, they were okay. Just everywhere, all movies. How you doing, Chief? Easy. Wouldn't want our little friend here to wind up on the back of a milk cart now, would we? It's nice to finally meet you, man. I've had my eye on you for years. I know all about you. Your serum, Whistler, everything. Sunblock. Hey, it's a start, right? The goal, of course, is to be like you. Daywalker. You got the best of both worlds, don't you? All our strengths, none of our weaknesses. Well, maybe I don't see it that way. Oh, so it's back to pretending we're human again? Come on, spare me the Uncle Tom routine, okay? You can't keep denying what you are, man. <laughs> you think the humans will ever accept a half-breed like you? They can't. They're afraid of you. And they should be. You're an animal. You're a fucking maniac. Look at them. They're cattle. Pieces of meat. What difference does it make how their world ends? Plague, war, famine. Morality doesn't even enter into it. We're just a function of natural selection, man. The new race. It's a shame, because I think, you know... He's probably done a lot of interesting stuff we've never heard of, or he's popped up in some things that it's just gone. But that's the other problem is struggling to name five Stephen Dorff films. Exactly. I only remember these two, and I used to watch a lot. There was this awful horror movie, Fear.com, and he was in an I hated every minute of this fucking movie and regretted it because it was too dark for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't have potential. It wasn't interesting. It wasn't even creepy no it was bad but it also gave me a bad feeling so i was like fuck steven dorf you know what i mean like bye bye buddy uh-uh yeah because i mean this film was hot shit <laughs> <laughs> it, i mean 1998 standards worldwide grossed 131 million and change that's, that's... impressive i know Imagine. on a budget of 45 million that that is impressive and you know I don't know, maybe he just kept getting offered roles like this and it didn't appeal. But, I mean, I right. can't speculate on his career. It's just weird how he just dropped off. I mean, Wesley kind of dropped off. It wasn't long after this that Wesley, Wesley... sort of slipped into straight DVD action movies. But I feel bad for Wesley because Wesley was so good. Like, Wesley was thriving, you know, like he was doing stuff. Like, Stephen didn't even get that chance, but Wesley was, like, on top. He was, like, such a cool black action star at the time and then i think he got into legal trouble and stuff like that and then you see him you know like 
losing his status or something. For me, Wesley was way more interesting than Will Smith, for example. Like, I didn't really like Will Smith. Like, for me, it was very traditional, you know, like, serious. He ventured into this, you know, like, boring, serious, you know, I don't know. Just for me, it was bad business. Unlike, yeah. you know, like, cooler, much more diverse, much more darker actors like Denzel. Like, for me, Denzel is like, oh, my God. Oh. Denzel Washington. But Wesley is like, I don't know. And I felt bad that his career stalled. It just broke my Wesley Yeah, heart. I mean, that did seem to be the thing, particularly going into the 2000s of action stars, that if they wanted to keep doing action movies, they did generally. Because, I mean, it wasn't just him. Obviously, Van Damme's career slipped off a cliff quite quickly. You. Stallone by that point. Dolph Lundgren. Even Schwarzenegger. His, his box office was dropping. Yes. I mean, if he if he hadn't gone into becoming the governor of California, I think he would have ended up in straight to DVD movies. Even I mean, yeah, just big stars don't with the exception of Tom Cruise, who sort of does his own things and, and Denzel. Scary. He's a Scientologist. They can do anything, you know what I mean? Like he's so he's so creepy. He must be doing some ritual to keep his success. Story and thriving. Of course, he's working on himself, of course, and he's always trying to, you know, like negotiate with the times. But there was a time, I think, when he was doing the Jack Reacher movies and it didn't feel like them making an impact or something. But then he made Top Gun Maverick and you see him, and then the Mission Impossible movies got kept getting better and better and better. So, yeah, he must have discovered a secret to longevity or something because you see Tom Cruise is being Tom Cruise all his life, but still. Yeah, I just think he's been career smart with Tom Cruise. He's had a few misses, and there was a sort of period where he wasn't flavor of the month, but he has. Yeah, but still. He, he knows how to make a comeback, and he made a comeback. Very. From Mission Impossible Fallout onwards. He um, went boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Box office after box office. But I mean, we talked about it before on when we did the 90s action movies. 90s action, the style of action hero changed. It went from your Stallones to your Nick Cages. So and Wesley for me, it was never as built as the Stallones, the Schwarzeneggers. It wasn't as not built as the or ordinary guy looking as the Nick Cage. He was yeah. somewhere in the middle. I just somewhere in the middle to do with him. Exactly. And I feel like this was part for me, it was part of his charm. He's not very, you know, like Stallone, Schwarzenegger kind of guy, but still he's not, you know, Nick Cage, you know, like dancing and humping. Wearing a priest, so yeah, that's he's not this and he's not that. He's just you know, Wes. But but yeah, I mean, obviously you got three Blade movies, which I think kept him in the public eye for a bit longer. Again, I I don't know what went on with people's careers. Hollywood's a weird thing. People, what's hot and what's not, is very fickle. He gets very bored with their actors. Like, ah, oh, come on, we need new blood. I don't know. Like, for me, I feel like they just use up people. Like, you see them just waning, you know. Like, yeah. Meg Ryan. Like, for me, when I see Meg Ryan now, I keep imagining, I don't think she had a long time. Like, she was very, very Meg Ryan-ish, you know, like, she was very on top. And then she made this movie where she stripped naked and people, of course, were just so conservative, they couldn't stand it. And the movie was... I don't know, like, the movie wasn't really good. Maybe if she no, was... Let, let's be honest, most people watched that movie because they heard that Meg Ryan took her top off in it. Exactly, and then they gave and her I don't mean to sound it. like a sexist asshole for that, but that yeah. is... It's a bit no, like, like Swordfish. True. People watch Swordfish because they knew Halle, Halle Berry was Berry. Top, 
Because that was and that they, male film girl mentality. And come on, people, a lot of people watched Oppenheimer because they wanted to see Florence Pugh naked, dude. Come on. What? Because I watched Oppenheimer in the movie theater. I was like, okay, I love Oppenheimer. It's such a great movie. But still, I can feel that people were floating at it like, ah, that because they just wanted to see her. Yeah, you have these moments. Imagine Austin Butler stripping in a movie and you will see like people kind of like shoving themselves and breaking cinemas. You know, they, Hollywood, they do this, they objectify their actors. Yeah, it's, I mean. That's what they do. Old as anything, unfortunately, isn't it? <laughs> but. Exactly. And you think you don't seem changed, to get but movie stars. I mean, this is a wider conversation than Blade, but you don't seem to get that many movie stars anymore. But they're like, now I think the right, it's on the rise again, but subtly. Because I don't feel that the studios like it. Because imagine this. When you are eliminating the movie star, you're eliminating the single entity's control over the market. They just want to make it all, you know, like, it's us. It's like Avengers. It's like Marvel. We are just controlling. You can just kill off this character and bring another character. And all the Gen Zers won't even notice. They're just happily there. Or just, you know, like, having too many slasher happy movies where it's just kids watching kids watching kids. But if you have a movie star... Then he has the power to kind of like shift the orbit, shift the market. And he's has the power to hold it in his hands. And studios will be running after him and pleading. So, yeah, I think now that I see it, movie star is going to be a dying breed someday. But then it used to be dying before. But now it's starting to rise again, you know, like with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya and Austin Butler. They're trying to take over again and build up these mysterious movie star personas, which was about to go extinct. Yeah, well, I mean, social media killed the movie star persona, didn't it? The the mystery of it. And I think there's an element of all the scandal that's come out, rightly so, against exactly. people, is that maybe people aren't willing to invest in much as a person they don't know anymore. Because every day you hear scandal about someone, like every day you feel like, oh, fuck this person abusing their, you know, like, dancers, just being a bitch, uh, kind of, like, sexually harassing others. I feel like, fuck movie stars, you know what I mean? Like, fuck celebrities. But then you have a few ones that feel like, you know, like, these hidden gems. So yeah. you feel like, oh. And they're, I think, starting to pique the interest of the young ones again. There's, there's always that thing that you see a name trending now, you know, like, oh, what the fuck have they done? What have you done, you bitch? Yeah. And when you read it, you're like, oh, no. It's like, I love Hugh Jackman. What's he done? What's he done? What's he done? Oh, no, it's cool. It's just his birthday. Thank fuck. <laughs> it's just divorce. <laughs> it's just divorce. <laughs> yeah, don't take Hugh Jackman, please. Yeah. No, that's it. Um, sort of back to Blade. I really like how this film shot again. It's that late 90s sort of techno goth noir thing that they were going for. But I love... Very... I love the rear projection in Blade's car when he's driving around at night. When he's driving around. The... I love the shot of them going across the bridge and you've got the sun being broken up between the beams of the bridge. But I love it. It so looks great. And she's sort of looking at it like yeah. she might never see the sun again. You know, yeah. I don't know whether she's going to turn or not. Exactly. Um, there's, like I say, there is really good stuff in this. I get why... I love the color I really palette. Don't love so. it as much as you do. But yeah, it is a it's really very cool colors, very grayish, bluish. You know, it gives you the the air of sickness, you know, and it's not even 
a typical vampire where you feel like it's all red snow. The red just jumps in and you're like, oh, taking it back because it's so bluish. It's so cold color. So it's kind of cool too. A yeah. cool choice. Um, I like um, N. Boucher, right, as Karen. I think it's a fairly thankless role, but she does get a bit more to do than just be the damsel in distress. She saves herself from vampire zombie Curtis. His performance in that bit when he's in the pit is great. Oh. <laughs> he's sort of talking to himself, then talking to her, and then sort of reliving the memory of talking to her. Against him. Kill him already. No, he's he's awesome <laughs> as a vampire zombie. Um but yeah, I like I like the way she crawls away out of that and she has some agency and alright, it's rushed, but I do like that she's the one figuring out a new serum for him or a cure and he's got the choice if he could take the cure but he'd lose his vampire powers and he has to make that choice of you know at the end the fight's not done kind of thing yeah exactly and he goes to moscow wow to fight the russian vampires i do like that i do like how it ends with a wesley pose and then a slash of the sword and then it's just suddenly quiet. <laughs> And the Wesley's speaking in foreign languages, which is also so often hilarious. <laughs> like, there's a Wesley way of doing things. Like, the Wesley way of eating, of talking, of delivering, you know, like, emotional lines, sex scenes. So, just, there is a Wesley everything. There should be, like, a Wesley manual for living life, you know? <laughs> I also like that this film is so aware that um, when he's beating up the cop in her apartment, and he's smashing the place up. And she's like, is this really necessary? It's like, finally, somebody says it. It's like, you were trashing all my stuff to beat this dude up. It's like, I paid money for this shit. I know. I would be pissed. Even if it was like a guy I find hard. Like, imagine. Even if the guy of your dreams is just breaking up everything you own. And I earned this, you bitch. Like, it's hard-earned money. Smacking, like, smacking the shit out of somebody and trashing your face. It's just... I'm interrogating him. Fuck you and fuck him. Get him out. Interrogate him in the streets. I'd kick them both out and go to bed, to be honest. I do like as well that you've got a man of colour on the street smashing a white police officer's head into the bonnet of his own car. And nobody bats an eyelid. In in real life, like 20 officers would have shot him dead. I know. It would have been insane. But here it's like, see, I told you, it's the West Coast. Like, it's the West world, so we play by the West rules. <laughs> it's wonderfully. <laughs> Again, it's that slightly heightened reality, but... Very. I, I do love it. Um, I like the... When they go to the... Is it a Japanese or a Chinese bar? I apologize for being culturally not getting the right one. But you've got the... Hopefully Girls Japanese. Are... I feel it's so yakuza. It's so yeah. yakuza giving me all those vibes, you know, like You've these got Japanese, the Japanese schoolgirls singing and they're going through. And I love the thing that to get into it, it is literally hidden. The door is hidden in a fridge. In the fridge. But that's such a quirky Avengers TV series kind of idea of where you'd have this in. And then obviously you've got the fat blobby vampire. This part kind of like grossed me out. I hate them. I hate them like in Dune movies, the Harkonnens and stuff, like all these blubbery, gross characters. I don't know. Just one of my. Ugh. I do like his thing though. Very, like, you know, 
shouting a blade about what's coming. He's like, and you won't be able to do anything about it. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, well, that's what Deacon says. It's such that, <laughs> like, you know, skinny or fat kid that hung around with the school bully. That just kind of like, mm. he spoke that. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I love all the pages from the vampire text. You will love this. You're, you're nerdy yeah, really nice you see this thing. I, I love um, Blade's bedroom. I love the staircase with the books on it. Yeah. He's using it as a bookshelf. There's lovely little designs like that. I love the flower that he's got in the shrine. Me too. I love the flower shrine. It's so cool. The, um, but wait know. a minute. His mother is creepy as fuck. Why are you trying to seduce your son, you woman? Please. These moments of cringe cannot be done these days, I tell you. Yeah, it's it's weirdly sexual. Um, Very. And well, her son looks like Wesley Snipes, so I mean... This actress must be... You're playing his mother. Yeah, just shoving the director aside. Just give me my mom. Okay? It's, it's not like it was his real-life mom or anything. <laughs> it's just the character's mother. It's like Blade's mother. Why Why is she playing it from an angle of seduction? You know what I mean? I feel like, oh. Okay. Well, I mean, she does the thing to sort of throw him, isn't it, initially, where she plays it like she's still his mother, and then because she says <laughs> to him, you know, your mother died years ago. And now I'm here to, to be... Because that's like... the thing. If Once you become a vampire, you're not you anymore, I guess. I guess you have gone. So like, if you and got bitten, you would be the gone. Sadness. The you... only one my mother would want to fuck is me. Like, my mother turned into my mother. So who is the one no, she finds sexy she was getting in that the human world? Frostic. She was fine. Deacon <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> Frost must have given her like he's got that he sweet was... coffin bed thing that seals shut. Exactly, complete isolation with the lady. Which I was kind of like, that's quite. I, I quite like the peacefulness of a bed like that, but then I'd be afraid I'd get stuck in it. No, for me to be claustrophobic, like no, even if it's like no, 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 even if it's gonna be the best sex in the world, I don't want to be stuck in that. Sorry, but I, I, I don't. Think, I don't think it. you could have sex in that bed, not with the room above. Just Not sleeping. easily, anyway. Oh, you never know. How does Vampire 6 feel like? We need a movie about that, you guys. Come on, do it. Well, I assume they have what sex if... and they reproduce if people are born as and, vampires. But And imagine if they're like having sex and then it's gone. Yeah. They'd be like... Ugh! And then they were running and then crawling into their coffins and just like, oh, oh my God, didn't finish up. Sorry, babe. <laughs> oh, he'll have finished up. Don't worry. <laughs> She probably not, but <laughs> I didn't reach my orgasm. You fuck. <laughs> uh, I love when um Donald Logan's Quinn is trying to explain fighting blade to uh -huh. Frost, and he's like, You don't understand. He's like, Yeah, he doesn't think he doesn't think. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then obviously, Blade oh kicks everybody's ass, but but yeah, it's. And I like when Whistler turns up after they've had the fight in the archive thing where all the pages are hanging. I love when Whistler turns up to like, yes. catch, you uh, catch you fuckers at a bad time. <laughs> See, it's the Wesley thing. Like, it's the Wesley delivery. It's the Wesley action. I don't know. 
It's like such a Wesley movie. Like for me, it's yes, it's Blade, but it's such Wesley land. Like you could make a Wesley land and then have all these characters and you'd get the white men don't jump. Oh my God, I forget one of the best Wesley Snipes movies yes. in my life. White men don't jump is just a very good movie. It's very fun. And it, and when I watched it, like stood this test of time. It's so cool. I don't know. So yeah, you could feel like the Wesleyness of it just seeping into movies. Yeah. I, wait, white Man Can't Jump, you forget how good an actor Wesley Snipes is. You kind of wish he'd done more films like that as well as the action ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not Money Train and that? All these movies where he was like, not, you know, like action Wesley, like moved choreographed. And just Fucking two, one, two, thanks for everything. Where he's, I mean, it's, it's like, kind of a Priscilla, Queen of the Desert ripoff, but. Exactly. But it's such a good ripoff, too. They're like all hilarious and funny. And sexy okay, Wesley it. Snipes, Patrick Swayze, and John Leguizamo just in drag. It's like, what is this film? <laughs> but yeah, it's um uh, one thing I don't like is the fucking sunblock so they can go out in the daylight. No, this so what the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm not convinced. What? It does nothing for me. Like I was wearing sunblock all over my body and I got sunburned, you guys. And I'm no fucking vampire. Okay, so if your skin is as sensitive as mine, I'm sorry. Won't help you. What what brand were you using? Unless you're like it my way, and they look completely caked white, like wearing a mask, like you're in Tom Cruise uh, and yeah. Vanilla Sky. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get why they did it, but they didn't convince like, me. The, the death of Dragonetti is a very cool scene. Just how they do it again. It doesn't by look way... great now, digitally effects wise, but. It was terrible. Maybe they would have done it better using modern technology, but it was awful. It, it was executed badly. And this Gitano guy, when he died, now that I saw it, it was like, okay, but when I was a kid, I was like, kind of devastated. For me, it was very scary. The way they just took out his fangs and then, you know, like left him in the sun. That oh, was... it's, a, it's a really messed up scene, but just that visual of the sun coming up and him burning and he's sort of like exactly. in a Christ pose. Very. There were too many Christ poses in this movie. Like you feel it's, a lot of it's comic books. Like, Christ mythology is throughout comic books and comic book movies. I have um, to read more into that. Wow. But, Why, I wonder. Uh God's and mortal men, isn't it? Kind of thing. Superman yep. in particular is very guilty of it. But yeah, exactly. I feel Superman is just, I don't know, not my cup of tea because of that. Gives I me all these, Superman. you know. Like... Superman is my guy. But more than Batman? Why? I just love Superman. Batman. Batman. Oh, every fucker loves every fucking mopey emo fuck loves Batman. <laughs> no, really? So that's why you love Superman because you want to stand. I've just always gravitated more towards Superman. I love Superman. I love the idea of somebody who's just inherently good. I mean, I just did a whole summer special on Superman movies. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And I loved it. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I won't. I won't slip back into that. But <laughs> when he. Another bit I love it is when he takes Whistler the page from the, the vampire page. Whistler sniffs it. Like, it smells like a vampire's wiped his ass with it. His ass oh, with it. I love this. And then it's like, oh, really? How it's not like this text smell? is interesting, or you know, this paper's got a funny. It's like, ugh, it smells like shit. <laughs> and worse, vampire shit. He is my kind of guy. Like I say, it's. Uh, I mean, I always hate when villains find the good guys' hideout. Me too. 
by the way. Oh, and I hate it when, when they kidnap the girlfriends, the daughters, the it's just I hate this. Stop it. It's I do like, like that awkward scene after they kidnapped her or your frost his girlfriend or whatever she is, and then Karen sat there and they just sat in silence. <laughs> like, no. it's like a wonderful little kind of like so <laughs> watching the real world. <laughs> Um, a little bit it's dark as fuck the security guy who's begging for his life when exactly. Blade's fucking shooting everybody up and he's like I just work for these guys <laughs> or I just so... work for them and he just fucking blows him away admittedly you know like, no mercy like there's no I don't there are no shades he doesn't spare he even throws I think little kid or lets her beach prone away like yeah that that little girl <laughs> survives getting thrown through that stand and landing hard on the road I mean he saves what? her and Blade just and then he looks at her and yeah like, but still he oh. leaves her <laughs> and he leaves her to get thrown for me this was like oh my god really Superman or you know like all the superheroes would have just thrown away or Captain America jumped and snatched her but no Billy just stands and he's like ah and you're like he only he, he saves her from the when... <laughs> yeah at least he's like oh yeah gotta do this I want the spin off for this girl like imagine how messed up this girl would turn out to be she was like taken a hostage briefly by this very scary guy and she was thrown and then another scary looking guy saved her and he's like go home so imagine this girl. I, I'd write about this girl. Like I'd love to know more about her. How messed up she'd be later in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that he leaves a VHS tape for Blade to watch. Because I imagine there's a whole generation of people now like, the fuck is that he's got to watch? Exactly. What? What is this? How do they use it? And why? <laughs> imagine now it would be like a text on WhatsApp or something. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> you get DM'd on X. <laughs> How boring for the villain. There's one message that day. <laughs> but yeah, I like to say, I never liked that they killed Whistler, but. No, me too. It, it seemed to be a trope thing at the time. And at least they didn't kill the girl to motivate him, I suppose. Finally. Which was way <laughs> a trope <laughs> back then. Very sexist trope, I guess. One example where a, a female character wasn't fridged to motivate the, uh... and then obviously you lead into the final set piece, which we sort of touched on. Um, Blade kills his mum. Fair enough, you know. Exactly. Hello, and she tries to excuse him, like, "Mom, I don't need you. You know, like you're a distraction." Bam. I like Blade when he's fighting in the corridor and he uses the. New injection things he's got. Oh, there's a guy here, he stabs that one girl, one female vampire in the eye, and he stabs the other guy in the chest. And they just fail. That one female vampire is screaming on the floor before she explodes. Um, I like Frost's you... female sidekick getting garlic sprayed in her mouth, and her head explodes because I have a similar reaction to cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cinnamon! Oh my god, I'm so unlike you. I love cinnamon. It's evil. It's evil. I love it. Ugh. Nothing worse than tucking into a nice apple pie and then find out some bastard put cinnamon in it. Totally and not just not dad. just a little bit. Like it's more cinnamon than anything else. Oh my god, my dad hates it when we make rice with bay leaves. You know what I mean? And he's just eating rice, and the <laughs> bay leaf gets. For me, 
I remember when I was little, rice pudding is so popular here. And I would tell my mom to like sprinkle cinnamon over the the rice pudding. And I would eat it. So imagine eating rice pudding, which is very fluffy, like you're eating clouds with cinnamon, which would burn your mouth. So, yeah. You're a monster. Um, and then obviously we we build to our climax. So you've got the triumphant return of Blade, and then he kills Quinn, grabs his sunglasses, puts them on, and the music kicks in. Um, I kind of feel a little bit like, I mean, Quinn's kind of a Weasley character anyway, but I kind of feel like he has a fairly Weasley death as well. I know, but at least he's better than you know Deacon. Yeah, Deacon's the worst. Like imagine the least likable character of the whole clan like you could be rooting for his female sidekick or you know like for anybody but not him he just doesn't really have any motivation i think is the big problem steven dorse got very little to work with there beyond being the pouty whiny bad guy this is Um, the thing and yeah there's nothing really to go with with that so i guess he does what he can with it but yeah there's no like you know it's not even a simple thing of like I know he wants the vampires to be the ruling class, but there's no real reason beyond, like, you know, because why? You want to rule, but I like the council. He throws Dragonetti's teeth on the table, and he's like, now I need 12 volunteers. Why aren't the council like, I can kill this asshole? Exactly! Just burst him. Kind of like cut him into pieces. This <laughs> little white boy. Just, you know, carve him alive. But that last fight's a little disappointing now for me. I think at the time it was really impressive, but I think it's so... No, it's so... I don't know. It's so anti-climate and just so It's so choppy and bad like, CGI. Uh, and and <laughs> Wesley with a longer face. <laughs> Loved it so much. <laughs> it's just, but I mean, you do get the awesome line that, you know, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Wonderful fucking line. I love that line. Um, Because it's the Wesley way of saying it, you know? It's the Wesleyness of these lines. Some of those lines are like cheesy, but he just says them in a very Wesley way, you know? Kind of like, always bet on black. You know, this is go home, you know? It's it's an array of lines. I always loved that um, meme that kicked around that was the picture of Edward and. Bella from Twilight sitting on the steps talking, then behind him there was Blade and it just had surprise motherfuckers. Imagine he burst them into tears. He like cut them into pieces, damn. Because I suppose that was the next big vampire thing, wasn't it? It was the Twilight films. How sad. Imagine like vampire for whinies. That's it. A, a Diaper whole, vampires. A whole franchise built on a woman being powerful, but only if a man gives her the power for, the power to be powerful. Exactly, and then you have true. And also and the fact he's she's fifteen or whatever, and he's like a hundred odd years old. Like, you grooming motherfucker! Oh my god, Lita all over again. But Thank it's sexy because he's Robert Pattinson, so it's cool. Really? <laughs> no, th- th- no, human not, not for me. Not for me. Not for me. Not for me. Yeah. The ladies love. Are... But why did ladies like him? Like I even back then when I watched the movies, and the movies were big, like when I was in college and stuff, and I had to buy the books and stuff, and ugh. I, even then, I was like, I was not convinced with this story, but even now, as a young one, I like Jacob more. Like, kill him off, Jacob. Come on, turn into a wolf and just end him. Yeah, but he goes like, off with their baby, so it all works out creepily good. And, 
Robert Pattinson is just, I don't, I don't like Robert Pattinson. Like, he's such a bad actor. Or he gets really great roles. Like, he has a very impressive career. And if you see the directors he worked with, the projects he's been in, awesome. Wow. But he himself, I don't know. I, I find him hit and miss. I've seen a couple of things in that I've liked him in. I thought he was, even though I wasn't particularly fussed on the film, I thought he was pretty decent in Remember Me. I thought he was really good as Batman. But Batman is a good movie. Now, this Batman is very dark and it's very grungy, and I liked it. See, I, I got issues with the film, but I thought he was good. Um, really? And I thought uh-huh. he was good in Tenet. But there's also the possibility that with Tenet, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I know. Maybe this is why you felt like, like, have you seen The Lighthouse? I don't know. I didn't like The Lighthouse. I tried I loving haven't, The no. Lighthouse. It's, it's on my to-watch list, but I've just never quite been in the mood for that level of bleakness. <laughs> it's so it's bleak, but it's very dark, and it's very, I don't know. Well, not bleak, bleak but that kind of dour sort of movie. Like, for me, the bleaker one was The Witch, because it was better, and it See, was very... I'm, I'm never going to watch The Witch, just because of stuff happening to kids. Good. I don't do stuff involved. You kids, have so. to. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Terrible stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, sort of. I, I think you know we're we're at different ends of it on Blade. I enjoy it for what it is. Like I say, I get why it possibly, particularly, comic book movies have changed so much in the twenty five years since Blade came out yeah. as well. That Blade probably does look kind of stale and not as fresh as it was at the time and i think blade 2 is generally regarded to be the better film a lot more people like blade 2 i kind of enjoyed blade 2 yeah (laughs) i took my wife to see blade 2 i was like you'll be fine it's just like buffy the vampire slayer first thing in it is like luke goss's face opening up and she was like you lying fucking bastard i was like to be fair the first one they kind of just flamey dust them now it's like even grittier, more violent. But uh, I didn't at the time really know what uh, Guillermo del Toro was like. Had I known what Guillermo del Toro was like, I would have been like, "Yeah, it probably isn't for you, actually, love." No, <laughs> well, I skip that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, because I went to watch. I didn't see this one in the cinema. I saw Blade Two, and I'm pretty sure I saw Blade Trinity in the cinema. Um, Blade Trinity, of course, was a mess. And not even a hot mess. It's a shitty mess. Yeah, the last time I watched Blade Trinity, I kind of enjoyed it knowing it was shit. But it's not a good film at all. And Wesley yeah. didn't want to be in it. As it's painfully obvious from the fact he's barely in it. Yeah, you could feel it. You've got Whistler's daughter. They bring Whistler back in the second one to kill him off again at the beginning of the third one. It's... <laughs> Just die or don't. Jesus. Um, I never saw the TV series with Sticky Fingers. Too, uh, I don't know. No um, need it's, to. It's meant to be all right, but I just Wesley Snipes was Blade. I didn't need to see a TV version. Exactly. Um, and I must admit, I obviously we talked about, or I mentioned that you know it's a Marvel Comics character. This is a comic book movie. I never really got into the Blade within the comics because I was never a big Marvel guy, so it never really. Yeah. Was a route, route I went down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how this fits in with the comics, but again, I kind of feel like the movie should be its own thing, anyways, which doesn't have to religiously stick to the comics. Yep. For me, and then obviously, 
they're bringing Blade into the MCU. So he had a voice cameo at the end of Eternals. Okay. And then there's a Blade so movie. They're gonna... Yeah. Coming, what coming about uh, Mahershala Ali is Blade. And there's a campaign that Wesley Snipes should be Whistler in this film, which I'm down for. Please, please, please. I'm, I'm so behind this campaign. I gotta start sharing. Do not kill Whistler, though. Keep the fucker alive. Yeah, keep Whistler, you assholes. Come He's on. Blade's need cute. So... And don't have the bad the guys rocking up into his legs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just... Or him is around for a little. If you're going to kill him, at least do it a couple of films in. Like, take full advantage of the Whistler character. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, there could have been a whole Blade franchise had Blade Trinity not been so badly it, it received. And Wesley not bailing out on Blade because it feels like. He kind of like didn't like to continue it. Well, he didn't want to do Blade Trinity. I mean, the stories were always that, you know, he wouldn't come out of his trailer. He'd only let people talk to him as Blade. And he pretty much did the bare minimum. <laughs> Apparently, he like cut most of his own lines from the film. Because I think they were trying <laughs> to build it, that it would be Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel carrying the franchise forward. Yeah. Like as a spin-off kind of thing. But then nobody yeah. really cared about that. I thought they were fine in it, but it's not played by that point. I'll and then, you. you know, a few couple of years later, the MCU kicked off anyway. So, but that's the other thing. This is a new line cinema for Definitely. It's like so nice seeing that new line cinema logo drop at the beginning. It's like because it was that and the Freddy Krueger films. That that was the new line cinema for me when I was growing up. And then obviously later they did Lord of the Rings and a few oh, other wow. things. But. <laughs> <laughs> Like I say, this is very much a piece of its time. For me, it holds up. Um, I was quite surprised that Roger Ebert gave it three out of four, but at the same time, I can see it. I know, me too. Wow. I think he is right that visually it is really nice. And it's got ideas, admittedly, again, a bit like The Matrix the following year. Those ideas have been played to death in other movies now, so it's not as fresh as it once looked. It was very fresh back then, yeah. A bit like you look at the early Tarantino films now and what was so fresh about those now has been so done to death elsewhere that you kind of it doesn't really pop as much as it used to anymore. But I mean, that's the thing with film, isn't it? Is that you will never get those early feelings you had towards a film. No, come on, Stuart. In the Mood for Love still does it for me every single fucking time. Oh, yeah. When I watch it now, some masterpieces are like that. Like, I know it's so hard because, you know, like the world is changing, cinema is changing. But when you see a movie and you're like, what the fuck? I watched this movie like 20 years ago. It was made like 30 years ago. And it still does something? This this man is a genius or this the, woman is a genius. The thing with like In the Mood for Love is that it wasn't something like a Blade or a Tarantino or The Matrix or something like that. It was a small movie. I don't think anybody would make a movie like that. It's so... It's not slow, but it takes its time. It, yeah, it hangs around with the characters and sort of lingers on them. Whereas I don't think you'd ever get a Hollywood type film that would do that. They might Never. try and take the visual style. I think that's why my Blueberry Nights didn't work is because people kind of like, the fuck is this? No, this is how you do these romantic yeah. movies. It's like this. Yeah. They bang a little bit. They have some nice date montage. They break up. They get back together. 
what yeah, is this ponderous is. thing? Because, I mean, In the Mood for Love is just a gorgeous film. We've talked about In the Mood for Love. <laughs> you can go back and check that episode. It's our movie, yeah, exactly. Watch it to you guys. You'd know but, what we're talking about. And I think sort of some of that sort of, it's like Cameron Crowe. I love Cameron Crowe, but he sort of dropped out of favour. That, that style of film doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious to see what they're going to do within the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Blade. Me too. I'm curious. Because obviously too, by in the, the comics, he exists with those other characters, but just I don't see this Blade hanging out with Spider-Man, for example. How is this even possible? And I don't see taking this Blade and putting him in a PG-13 movie. No, no, please. Don't. You need that yeah. dark grittiness of Violent shit, yeah. I mean, this film, I mean, it's an 18 certificate here in the UK, but it's not an 18 movie anymore. It passes no. a 15 now. Because it's, it's not actually that bloody. You've got where he kills the cop. It's pretty bloody, and the, some of the bites are pretty bloody when Curtis gets bitten by Charred Up Quinn. I suppose Charred Up Quinn. It's a really nice effect. But, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the effects look kind of hokey now, so... I, yeah, I think this would probably, if it came forward now, would be a 15, but... Definitely 15, yeah. But it, it's weird when you look at, like, you know, the films that were, like, so traumatic and horrible. And then you look at them, it's a bit like The Exorcist, like the scariest film I've made. And I, for years, I wouldn't watch it because I did not want to ever, like, not sleep again. And I watched it, I know I was what like, you mean. this is tame as fuck. I know what you mean. It, for, for me, but I think it was... For 1972, American I get why people got freaked the fuck out by it. Would like imagine my because my grandpa would tell me even the Hammer movies. Okay, now when I watch Dracula, you know, I can Christopher Lee or you know Bella Lugosi's. I like uh, I am Dracula. I'm, yeah, right, you are. But then my grandpa would kind of like tell me that going to a movie theater and it was in a very far away place from his house and he would walk a dark alley. People lived these movies, and to them, the idea of going back home—it was a journey back home in the darkness, you know, like with this dim lit. Like, imagine Jack the Ripper, you know, like the—it the, was like very Jack the Ripper London, by the way. So it would be like a very Jack the Ripper kind of Egypt too, because there was dim lights, there was people weren't that much in the streets. You could find people everywhere, everywhere. There are shops, there is everything. So it kills. Everything it kills imagination, it kills fear. So these hammer movies back then, it wasn't just technology, it was just life. People yeah. were living movies in the movie theater, lights on, huh? Really? It's over? We're gonna go back home. So my grandpa would just detail to me the trip back home was like reaching home was victory. Because he would relive the movie in his head all the way, and the road seemed to go on and on and on. And he was so scared. So now I... you just finish the movie. In the movie theater, you go out to eat popcorn and you see your friends. Even the scariest movie ever written do shit to you. That's it. I think that's what works really well about great horror movies is that they fuck with your head afterwards. It's like I watched, I was about 20, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then had to get up and walk five miles to work the following Ooh. morning at about five o'clock in the morning. And as I was walking, I was like past these derelict docks warehouses and I was walking, I was like, Imagine Leatherface was stood over there and then I just freaked myself out. I've never walked that far so fast. 
I thought, you totally reminded me of Halloween, you know, like when my sister and I watched the first Halloween and then we went to this beach resort, you know, like last week, our last touch of happiness because before shit happened in our family. And my sister was like, walk and it was beautiful houses with, you know, like manicured lawns and sprinklers and stuff. And she's like, what if he's here? Imagine if he's, we're like walking and you just see him and then you look and he disappears, Mike Myers. And you know, oh my God. So yeah, it's the best horror movies that kind of like even navigate your familiar, kind of like infiltrate it so it's not familiar anymore. If if you want to, you can easily solve the Michael Myers problem. There was a great video of the clip of Jamie Lee Curtis looking out of a window to him in the garden. And the first time it's as it in the film, then it cuts back to Jamie Lee Curtis. Then when it cuts back to him again, he's raking leaves. And then it cuts back to him again. He's like on a seesaw with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> They're playing on swings. <laughs> What the hell is this clip I want to watch? It's, I'll see if I can find it on YouTube. Please I'll send, send it, it to you. me. I love this stuff so much. It makes my day. Please but send it, it to just me. keeps scaling up. It's like she looks out and Jason Voorhees is looking up at her and then she looks again. Michael Myers is coming back. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Please. I want this clip. <laughs> it will make my day, I swear. <laughs> awesome. Right, so any sort of final thoughts on Blade? Like I say, I think visually stunning, great Wesley Snipes movie, but very much a time capsule. A very influential movie, very important, I think, for... I mean, this is kind of like the black, first black superhero movie. Very, and I was just going to say that. That made it... It's like something revolutionary. It was something groundbreaking. Deservedly so. So cool. Yeah, so I mean, and you wonder, did it take so long until we got Black Panther? Because that just sucks, right? It's just such a weird thing. And I mean, Black Panther, I think, culturally had more of an impact, yeah, possibly rightly so. But I think, with you know, with not just as you know, black superhero, black comic book movie, a black hero. And just, I th- a lot of people say like X Men was what kickstarted this comic book things again. It wasn't. I think this, I think it the combination of this late. and X Men, yeah, exactly, really late. kicked that movie. comic book movie thing back off again. Yeah, which then led to the MCU. For better words, it's quite interesting in Rodriguez's review where he's saying about how many movies look like they're flat and TV style, and a lot of people talking. And how great it is that the comic book movies are injecting those visuals back into it. And now we're at a point where everybody's like, Marvel movies aren't cinema. It's all boring capes and punching each other. And the comic book movie thing is starting to wane a little bit now. People aren't as into it as they were. Because I think it has got a bit stale. I think the problem Marvel had was that they got to Endgame, which was a natural ending point, but they carried on. And they carried on with the same people behind the cameras. They're uh, going to milk the money machine, baby. As much as I like what Kevin Feige's done, it possibly could have done with him then starting to hand over to another voice to take the reins kind of thing. New blood. And refresh it. Because you you think you're looking at, well, over 10 years now. 2008 was Iron Man, so we're at 15 years now. They should have got to Endgame and then slowed their roll. Maybe done gone back to one film a year or just taken a couple of years off and then come back with fresh blood, some hangover characters and some new characters 
and just build Definitely. it back up again from there. Change, you guys, change. And obviously the DC films haven't been very exciting. I really do miss that 90s period. They didn't all work. Like I say, I've got a real soft spot for Dick Tracy, Rocketeer, The Shadow, The Crow, The Phantom, all of those ones. I miss when it was just taking a punt on something like this, or like Blade, and doing something interesting with it and injecting something back into cinema. And it wasn't built on building a universe or building a franchise. I think they had an idea of doing more Blade films off the back of this, but it's not set up for a sequel. That ending feels like it could have a sequel in it, but it also feels like its own self-contained movie. Like I say, the fact they killed Whistler off, to me, kind of makes me think they weren't overly thinking about a second film at the time. Yeah, me too. Because it would have kept him. Or at least made him, like, you know, like, didn't kill himself. He just popped out of nowhere. This is what happened. So, yeah. No, for me, it was just, you know, a Wesley Snipes fuckfest. <laughs> and I liked it, and I'm all for it. But other than that, ugh, please. Yeah, that's fine. Like I say, it's been quite interesting, because like I say, you suggested this film a little while ago, and I was like, it'd fit in nicely with Spooktober. <laughs> and then you rewatched it and realized... Slandering it and killing it, but still loving Wesley. Not you, Wesley. It's them. It's them. Like I say, I think... <laughs> I get why you don't like it. I think it's a better film than you possibly think it is. But at the same time, yeah. I want, I want, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because I 100% get why you're looking at it now and being like, fucking cheesy as shit and it's all Come on. And yeah. It, but there are good things. Yeah, it has a good, it's good things. And when you say it from a culturally impacting standpoint, it totally is. Because yeah. imagine what it did to us when we were back then. It was so cool. And it started even the superhero, you know, like comics, whatever. So yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. Like I say, it was, a, it was an exciting time. Not everything worked in that time, but you did get gems like this, like The Crow, yes. like the X-Men Crow. and X-Men 2 a couple of years later. Wait a minute. What do you think about The Crow remake? Are you excited or not? I don't need it. it Why? It, it was done so well. I mean, I'll, I'm open to it and I will probably watch it because I've watched most of those fucking Crow sequels. Um, you did? I watched one and I kind of, I don't know I've seen City of Angels which I did not really care for and I've seen Salvation which I quite liked but it is a terrible film I've not seen the one with Edward Furlong as the crow and David Boreanaz as the bad guy uh, Wait a minute, Boreanaz was a bad guy? In the crow, in the crow Wicked Prayer um, oh, I have to watch this one yeah, and Edward Furlong was the crow, which when I first <laughs> found out, I was like, David Boreanaz is going to be the crow, and it's like, no, it wasn't. No, it's Edward Furlong. I think the problem with this, again, a bit like Blade, the crow is such a piece of its time, I'm not sure how it's going to work now. I know. They're going to change it, but I hope this change is good. Like, at least it's a different thing, it has its own life, but it's good in its own right, because the crow would... even... Yeah, as odd as it might have been, but it was just spectacular and poetic. I don't know. It would have been more interesting if they'd have. I'm gonna set off a load of gammons now. If they gender swapped it, that he died and she, and you know, that he died, she died, but she came back as the crow. There's been some comics where it's a female pro, and they've been really good. What I would love to see the costume, the female crow. I would love to see something like that. Now, that would be so fucking cool. It would be like Catwoman level for me. 
How, what are the names of these comics? Please send them my I way. I honestly can't remember. I borrowed them off a guy at work and read them because he lent me one. There was one that it, she was a school teacher and all of her pupils were killed in a bombing thing. And it was really hard to read. It had a really good ending. So sexy. What? Um, but yeah, I because fuck it, we've had like four dudes playing the crow now. <laughs> and now it's going to be five. It's like, the pit. Yeah, just give it us a card. Yeah. Gives the female crow, and you know, I will watch it. I'm curious to see what they do with it, but at the same too, time, I'm gonna watch it. Some of the things I'm, I'm, I have zero interest. I think I don't know. I used to be interested in Nosferatu, but then they started casting a lot of people, and it's a minimalist film. Like, why are we even having all who are all these people? Like, who's yeah. gonna be like, are they gonna be having a mother, a friend, like a portrait? What the fuck is this? Why is this movie so crowded? So I kind of like lost interest, you know. But the crow, I don't know, because I love the crow so much, so I'm gonna give it a try. I wanna see what they did with it. It was very much a superhero for the grunge movement. Yes. So it was sort of that post grunge into met 90s metal leading to new metal kind of that between period which is goth grunge i mean like i say it was just such a piece of its time i'm curious to see what they do with a bit like with blade blade with its like techno club music dancings and that very much piece of its exactly And the Matrix very. is the same as well. The Matrix is very much like late 90s, early 2000s. But the Matrix for me is even more. Like the Matrix for me is really what kicked off, you know, like this techno, you know, like music, you know, like laser beams and nightclubs and stuff like that. For me, it is that movie, maybe more than Blade, I have to be honest. Because the Matrix for me was move. I didn't even, even as a kid, because it took me a while to like understand or grasp it. But as a kid, I loved it as a move, you know, like as a presence didn't have to be like a movie with a structure or a narrative. I didn't give a shit. I just like what do all three have in common? Long black leather coats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the secret to success. Long black leather coats. I gotta start to investing in one. So I'm guessing the new Crow will be like an all Ed Sheeran soundtrack. No, 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 B- no, no. Billie, Billie Eilish. It all can... the popular stuff now. No, no, please. Can you imagine if he's like an Ed Sheeran crow? <laughs> Fuck this. Just strumming on his acoustic guitar instead. Ah, me. Oh, fucking shut up. Imagine standing in the movie theater. Shut up, you fucker. Get me back my dollars. And on that bombshell, um, I'll put all the links in the show notes, <laughs> but do you want to tell people where they can find you online? And Okay, so yeah. Well, definitely. I usually post on the pros.com and I have my Instagram, which is really active. You can find me on Blue Sky too. It's Jailan.Salman. Um, and I'm still on Twitter. Uh, same name, but um, find me Sorry, more I think there's Blue like Sky. 10 of us on Blue Sky now, so we're almost getting a party started. Come on, move over to Blue Sky. You guys can. I got three invite stuff. codes. I don't even know what to offer them to anymore. What, what a minute wait a minute i used to have five and then people flooded my inbox like please can you give me an info code and i'm like sure yeah take him i don't want them i was so happy finally i found use for them i, I got three i offered them to a couple of people and they're like i just like i'm seeing this as a break from social media rather than jumping into a new one like, i respect <laughs> that wait a minute i have my youtube channel finally it's the j days where i post all my interviews all my videos all my ramblings or you can just listen to your stupid friend Jay. 
but yeah i'll put all the links in the show notes so awesome thank you for doing this i i really enjoyed it um we, we might have swayed off swung a blade a bit but <laughs> but yeah no it was interesting to do you i've done a couple of films where i've not liked the film but the guest has loved it but i've not done one yet where the guest has picked a film they love and then found out they don't actually love it <laughs> but isn't it fun <laughs> <laughs> Well, fortunately, it worked out because I do love the film, so I got to be that guy. Imagine being both of us hating it and <laughs> shitting. On. It would have been the shortest episode. I'd be like, "That's a bag of shit." And it? Yeah, it was a bag of shit. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cheers, Jay. Cheers. Bye. Это сюрприз. Сюрприз, правда? Ага. А ты знаешь, мне нравятся сюрпризы. Тогда тебе это очень понравится. Кожа сладкая у тебя. Тогда что ты делаешь? Ты будешь жить вечно. Эй, Застань его время. Товарищ. That was Blade. And why not? I'd like to thank Jay for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check his show notes for links to her work. At the time of recording, Blade is available in the UK on Blu-ray, DVD and 4K from Warner Brothers. We put a shout-out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film and we had a reply from Tom Stewart, aka Uramix, on Instagram who said, I had no idea it was a Marvel film when I saw it in my local global video all those years ago and just thought it was a really cool cover. I'm so glad my mum broke the rules and let this kid watch it because I was enthralled at this action vampire mashup. I watched it again very recently and still love it to this day. It's a top movie full stop and easily one of, if not the best, Marvel film that ever was. Snipes was totally born to play that and suits the character so well. The sequels are terrible though. Thank you to Tom for his comment on the episode. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever this episode posted on our social media channels. You can give us a follow on Threads, Blue Sky and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date of what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give this series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to this episode. If you're feeling super generous, it'd be grateful for a rating if you have a second or two to spare. Or if you don't, we're just grateful that you spend the time listening to us. Thank you. If you missed any Am Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, Spooktober continues next week when I'll be joined by Ross Beamish as we take a look at 1992's David Fincher theatrical film debut, Alien 3. But until then, this has been a Nose Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moray. Thanks for listening, and remember, there are worse things out tonight than vampires. Bye for now.